Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. Can I just ask you all to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12? And today is going to be very practical. I'm going to talk about being prepared and pressing on. It's all part of our um, series on the supernatural church. And I just thought before I explain everything, I just thought we'd read this, these couple of scriptures together. The first scripture is in 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm going to read the whole chapter. It's good to read the Word of God together. <laughs> So 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm reading from the Holman translation. (laughs) Now concerning what comes from the Spirit, brothers, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you used to be led off to to the idols that could not speak. And therefore I am informing you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are different gifts by the same Spirit and there are different ministries message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, different kinds of languages. To another, interpretation of languages. But the one and same Spirit is is active in all these, distributing to each person as he wills. For as the body is one as many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, and also is Christ. For we were all baptised into one Spirit, into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. We were all made to drink of one spirit. So the body is not one, but many parts. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, in spite of this, it still belongs to the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body, in spite of this, it would still belong to the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body was an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed each one of the parts in one body just as he wanted. And if they were, if they were all the same body, then where would the body be? Or sorry, if they were all the same part, where would the body be? And there are many parts, yet one body. So the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the, hand, the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. But even more, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are necessary. And those parts of the body that we think are less honourable, we clothe these these with greater honour. And all those unpresentable parts have a better presentation. But our presentable parts have no need of clothing. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the less honourable, so that there will be no division in the body and that the members would have the same concern for each other. 
So if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. And if one member is honoured, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has placed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, managing, various kinds of languages. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all do miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with other languages? Do all interpret? But desire the greater gifts, and I will show you an even better way. And then if you could turn to 1 Corinthians 14, uh, verse 26. And it's a very short passage. It just says, What then in conclusion, brothers? Whenever you come together, each one of you has a psalm, a teaching, a revelation, another language, or an interpretation. All things must be done for edification. And this morning I want to talk about, very practically, what happens when we meet together as the body of Christ. And the scripture in 1 Corinthians 12, we often limit that scripture to serving, to doing things for one another. We talk that in some, some commentaries, they talk about that scripture as the body works, how the body works together. But it's greater than that because we all have a part to play because it is a body. And this body just doesn't work. It does other things. It's not just here to serve. There are other activities that happen within the body. And God has given each of us within the body a vital part to play. So this morning I'm going to be very practical. I want to talk about what we do in worship. I want to talk about contributions from the front and how we bring those and how we prepare to do that. Now in verse 26 of the second reading there, it says, whenever you meet together. In some versions it says, whenever you meet together. And I want to be very clear this morning that you actually means you. It doesn't mean anybody else, okay? You can't say that scripture isn't speaking to me because it says when you meet together. It doesn't mean an elder. It doesn't mean a deacon. It doesn't mean an apostle. It doesn't mean a pastor or a teacher. It means you. It doesn't say when you meet together, the elder will sing, the apostle will teach, the deacon will tell some special revelation God has given him, an evangelist will speak in tongues and the, inter- and the pastor will interpret and everything will be done to strengthen the congregation. It doesn't say that. It says, when you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given, one will speak in tongues and another will interpret, but everything will be done to strengthen all of you. So you means you. And so 1 Corinthians 12 isn't talking about serving the body. Our body work is not just serving. Spiritual gifts are for everybody. There are no exceptions. No one is missed out. There is no special dispensation. You don't get a note from your mother. (laughs) Spiritual gifts are for everybody in the gathering. And we need to be careful that we don't hide behind body work roles that we have in serving or music or helps or whatever. 
That is only a fraction of what God has called us to do. And we can hide behind the things that God has given us to do in the body. And I know because I've done that. The fact is that if you are born again and the Spirit of God is dwelling within you, you are able and have everything within you to prophesy, to bring a tongue, to interpret that tongue, to bring testimony and revelation and teaching of the Word of God and to engage in exuberant worship. Because it's the same Spirit that's in me that is in you. And what we need to do as a body is we need to prepare to share. We need to prepare to share. Not that we are prepared to share, but you prepare to share. You see, according to 1 Corinthians 12, that isn't an option because the same spirit dwells in everybody. The same gift is given to everybody. And our meeting with God does not start on t- at 10.30 on a Sunday. You know, I don't believe that we can just turn God on at 10.30 and turn him off at 12.30. We need to be those that live this way all of the time. And we need to be those who regularly prepare to share. Because it's a reflection of our lives. It's an overflow. We talk about overflow in our lives, but our overflow should be from our life and not from something that starts at 10.30. Now, I don't share because I'm a leader. Let me just clarify that. I share because I prepare. It's not that I'm prepared to share. I share because I prepare. And some people say, oh, well, that's because you're a leader. You know, you have to share. Well, the scripture is clear. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, etc., So the elements of our meeting together on a Sunday, we could, if we could put them into elements, is that we worship, we spend time in the Word, we pray and we fellowship. But these are things that should expand into our whole week and that we need to be worshippers in our daily lives. It's just, I want to just concentrate on worship for a minute. There's a great scripture in Ephesians 5.19 that says that we speak to one another in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music from our hearts to the Lord. And that we worship God in our daily lives, in our work, in our, in our rest time. That we, you know, we surround ourselves with worship. The other week I was at work and I was tr- trotting down the stairs at work and I was actually, I was singing a song that I'd heard on Sunday, and I'd just totally forgot where I was. And somebody in an office as I walked past shouted out, well, that's, it's lovely to see someone who's happy in their job. <laughs> and I just thought, people don't expect to see happiness in the world. And so I just want to encourage people to worship God in, all the time, wherever you are. Because worship isn't a role. It's not a position. It's not a calling. It's what the body of Christ does. Worship isn't because you're a worship leader. Um, You know, sometimes people who are worship leaders are sort of given this tag that they know how to worship God. No, they know how to direct the worship of God. But they're not any special type of worshippers. 
And God wants us to be worshippers of him. But when we worship God outside of church, it's so much easier when we come together as a body because we're already there. And we strengthen each other by the way we worship together. It's the first thing we can do to to strengthen and encourage the body is to be worshippers. See, when we worship extravagantly, we encourage others to do so. We also encourage our children to worship God. You know, if you... If you're, if you're struggling and thinking, are my children going to worship God when they grow up? Then you worship God. Yeah. Because they'll, they'll, they'll copy you. It helps others as well. In Webster's Dictionary, the definition of worship is to honour with extravagant love and extreme submission. True worship is, desi- is defined by the priority we place on who God is in our lives and where God is on our list of priorities. Yeah. I felt a sinking feeling then. <laughs> Let me just read that again. True worship is defined by the priority we place on who God is in our lives and where God is on our list of priorities. If your lifestyle does not express an extravagant or exaggerated love for God and you do not live in extreme or excessive submission to God, then you make worship a negotiable priority in your life. It's not negotiable. Because he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And when you know him, you cannot but worship him. So I want to talk about some expressions of worship. And I want to do this to encourage you. I want to encourage you in things that we do in worship. And one of them is that we raise our hands. We raise our hands. And raising hands for me is um, it's a position of surrender. You know, you see, the old, I, was watching a, I was watching a war film yesterday afternoon and there's like all these Germans and they were surrendering, you know. And I, and I thought, yeah, you surrender. And it's an acceptance of acknowledging that Jesus is the Lord of our lives. Um, in Leviticus 29-22, it says... After that, Aaron raised his hands towards the people and he blessed them. And then after presenting the sin offering, the burnt offering and the peace offering, he stepped down from the altar. And you know, when we raise our hands, we're blessing God. We are, in a sense, commanding a blessing towards him. And then in 1 Kings 8, 54, when Solomon finished making these prayers and petitions to the Lord, he stood up in front of the altar of the Lord where he'd been kneeling with his hands raised towards heaven. And it is a position of surrender and belief. And for me, whenever I hear something which is I want to receive, then I just raise my hands to the Lord. Because it's a surrender and it's, yes, I'm receiving that. I'm taking that on board. And I think my, my favourite scripture about raising hands is in Exodus 17, 12, where Moses soon became so tired. Moses was in a battle. And when he raised his hands, there was victory. And he got so tired that as his arms came down, the forces overwhelmed the Israelites. And so two guys stood beside him and they actually held his arms up. And it says that he became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on and they stood each side of Moses holding up his hands. So his hands held steady till sunset. And 
I'm just in a place of victory when I do that. I just know that God is on his throne, that he is the Lord, and I am in a place of victory with him. And I know in my own life, there are times when I felt things come against me and I've wanted to know the victory of God. And there are times at work when I've gone into a room and I've closed the door and I've said, Lord, I just give this to you. And I've taken what I would call a position and a posture of faith. And I've said, Lord, you know this situation, it's coming against me and I am not receiving it. And I believe you're going to change that situation. And I'm saying, Lord, I'm surrendering to you. I'm receiving your will in my life, but I'm also standing in a place of victory. And it's so, so important. Now, I know I came from a very traditional church background. So when I came to church and everybody was doing this, I thought, oh, by a word. <laughs> They're all nutters. <laughs> I did. That's what I thought. Don't do yourself down, Woody. But you know, when I came to a place, and let me encourage you that when other people around you are doing it, it's a lot easier to do. If you're the only person who stood in the room like this, it's very difficult. It isn't for me now, but when we see people engaged in worship, and it's so liberating, it sets you so free, because God has given me freedom. The other thing I'd like to talk about this morning is shouting. (laughs) Now, there are 300 references to shouting in the Bible, and 30 of them are in Psalms, so I'm claiming that as my biblical proof. But in Psalm 20, verse 5, it says, May we shout for joy when we hear of your victory and raise a victory banner in the name of the Lord. May the Lord answer all your prayers. Now, when I hear what Jesus has done, I want to shout, because there's something inside me that wants to come out. Psalm 29.9 says, The voice of the Lord twists mighty oaks and strips the forest bare, and in his temple everybody shouts, Glory! Don't shout me down. It's okay to shout in church. Psalm 40 verse 16 says, But may all who search for you be filled with joy and gladness in you. May those who love your salvation repeatedly shout, Great is the Lord! Because I love the salvation of God. That is something to shout about. That is something to shout about. God is not deaf. I know people have said that to me. God is not deaf. But there needs to be a declaration of faith. And the walls of Jericho were not whispered down. There was something about that shout that raised those walls to the ground. Yes, there are times when we need to be quiet before the Lord. But there are times when we need to shout. Now, contrary to popular belief, I have been to a football match. I have been to a few football matches. I used to work for a company that had a a, a box at Blackburn Rovers. And, um, sorry. And uh, I used to go along 
And it was, in the mid, it was in the early 90s when there was a guy called Jack Walker who was pouring loads of money into Blackburn... You're impressed, aren't you, Phil? Loads of money into Blackburn Rovers. And there was a sort of unknown player called Alan Shearer who was, like, heading the charge. And they had this meteoric rise to the Premiership. And football has always fascinated me because I can't understand... I can't... This is the thing that I struggle with with football is I can't understand the passion that it invokes in people's lives because it doesn't touch me at all. <laughs> I just can't understand why people get so passionate about a bit of grass, two posts at either end, and a leather ball full of air. <laughs> I don't understand that. And I've, and I've been at this game many times, and I've seen... You know, is it Heskey used to pass it to Shearer? Shearer would put it in the net, and the whole place would absolutely explode. People would be shouting, screaming, hugging one another. And what was more incredible was when there was a match against a, a, a team, say, right on the south coast. So they would come up to Ewood Park, and they would have this little tiny section in the grandstand. Everybody else would be from Blackburn Rovers, and there'd be this little tiny section... And when the away team scored, even though there was only like a 20th of those people, you could hear them. They went absolutely mental. And I would stand there thinking, oh my Lord. But you see, when I read, who gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and he was born as a human being, and he appeared in human form and he humbled himself in obedience to God and, de and a death on a as a criminal on the cross. And God raised him up and gave him the name of all names. That's what I don't understand why people get so excited at football matches. But God came to earth as a man. He died and he rose from the grave. And we're silent. <laughs> Amazing. The house of the Lord can be noisy. Oh, you know, sometimes on a Sunday, there's a bit in a song, and I shout, I shout out, I shout, Hallelujah! And I feel a rise of faith behind me. Because some of you want to shout. It, it, it turns something on inside you. And I don't do it because I'm trying to rev us all up. That's not what I'm trying to do. But there's something in our heart that wants to shout out to God. Yeah. Something wants to break out. Yeah. And I do that because I want to shout to God and I want to encourage you. And I can feel a, a rise of faith behind me. It's fantastic. Imagine if it was in a meeting where it was all shouting to the Lord. <laughs> it would be amazing. We would see some Jerichos come down in this town. Yeah. We would. We would see some Jerichos come down. I want to encourage you about responding to the preacher, verbal contributions, and responding generally when people are speaking. You know, if the word encourages you, say, Amen. It not only encourages you, it encourages the speaker as well. I've said this so many times, but it draws people out. This can be such a lonely place up here. <laughs> but when we 
when we say yes, that's right, yes, amen, when someone's praying at the front, you are agreeing with them. You're saying, yes, let that be so in my life. It allows it to drop into your spirit. There's just something that engages you. It was so, there was at the mega meeting the other week and there was a lady in the audience, in the, in the congregation and David was preaching and she went, yes, that's right. And David said, have you got a question? <laughs> and I laughed and I thought, well, we should see more of that. You know, I've, I've been in churches where people actually stand up while the preacher's preaching and go, that's fantastic. So we need to be those who say to people, you know, we need to, we need to be agreeing with everything we hear because it does something in us it changes us it changes us I want to encourage you to be those who know what it is to kneel before the Lord when we meet together to have that sign of submission in our lives child Jesus with his mother and they bow down and they worshipped him And they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And just as a buy there, just remember that they gave gifts during their worship. So when we say giving financially is part of our worship, it is part of our worship. In Philippians 2.10 it says, At the name of Jesus every knee should bow on heaven and on earth and under the earth. See, some people say, well, you know, if Jesus was actually here, well, he is actually here. Okay, simple. You know, here preachers say, "Well, if Jesus walked in the door today, what would we do?" Well, he he is here. He's in the door. He is here. We can't we can't say that if Jesus was here physically, because Jesus is here. I remember many many years ago, I was at a meeting and um, we we were singing a song and it was about bowing down, and I just felt God say to me, "You need to bow down," and I. And I, I didn't want to do it. And, I, and my excuse was, I was on the front row. And in those days, the elders used to sit up on the platform. And I, and I thought, I can't do that. Because I'll be bowing down in front of the elders. And they'll all see me and they'll think I'm showing off. And I remember driving home and I remember God spoke to me about my pride. You know? And again, sometimes when we bow before God, so we can be shouting one minute... And then we can be bound before God the next. And God can do something with us when we're in that place of submission. So when we contribute like this, it's because of something within us. It's something within us that's trying to get out. And when we do these things, we help others because we show people and we encourage other people to worship God in that way. So how do we prepare to share well there are three things the first one is my favourite subject which I managed to squeeze into every preach (laughs) and that is that we get into this this is not for opening only on a Sunday morning when I was in a traditional church I used to have a thing called a prayer book and it had all the services in I could do funerals, weddings, baptisms, the whole lot was in this book and there was a reading for each Sunday and that was the only time it opened, on a Sunday. And that was a tremendous shame because the word of God is the most powerful thing in the world today. 
It is the word of God. That's what it is, the word of God. I don't even want to call it a Bible anymore. I want to call it the word of God, because that's what it is. And it is supernatural in origin. It's eternal. It is divine. It is infallible. And it's very powerful in personal application. And I just want to encourage you, as as preparing to share, is get into this word. Don't just read it on a Sunday. Because when you read the word of God, it flows up inside you. Let me give you something else that really blesses me. One of the things I love doing is when we sing a song on Sunday and the songwriter has written all the words out, they're all from the scriptures. And when we sing those verses, the particular song is In Christ Alone. And when I sing that song, it's almost like there's a little mini concordance going off in my head because as I sing each line, I know where the writer got that scripture from. And all of a sudden, that song becomes very alive to me, becomes very real to me, because I've invested time in this. Now, I know it's not about contributions, but that's the effect that the Word of God can have on our lives, because it changes us. In in Colossians 3.16, it says in the message, it says, let the Word of Christ, the message, have the run of our house. Let it run in your house in your house let it run all through your life and I just want to encourage people please if you if you are if you struggle with things if you have battles with things if life is pressing you this is the answer this is the answer there's a when we used to live in Broughton there was a Baptist church that used to have these really corny like signs outside and, it, and it, there were like little plays on words, you know, like, what's missing? Are you at church or something? And the you are missing or something. But there was one and it said, seven days without the word of God makes one week. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so that's the best joke I could do. Don't tell Richard Jones I told that joke. Seven days without the word of God makes one week. And God doesn't want us to be weak. He wants us to be full of power. So be familiar with this book. Be familiar with this book. Let it be something that's familiar in our hearts. Because from the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so you may see people who, every Sunday, they've always got something to say about God. It might be, just into a little secret, it might be because they spend time in this. The second thing that we need to do to prepare to share is we need to be prayers. We need to be those who are regularly speaking to God. That we're praying and we know who God is by the time we spend praying to him. That we're not, again, prayer is not a Sunday morning thing. It's not something that we do on high days and holidays. It's something that we are regularly involved in. And... um, God challenged me the other week because prayer can often be the gripe list. I have gripe lists. So I get before God and I say, Lord, I'm not happy with this. I'm not happy with this. This is not happening with my job. 
these things aren't happening, this isn't happening, I'm not happy with this, I'm not happy with this, I've not got this, I've not got that. And it can be a gripe list. And I was reading the book the other week and it said when you come to God, and this is a challenge for us all, that we only thank God for the things we've done in, that he's done in our lives. That when we get before him, our prayer is, thank you Lord for what you've done in our lives. And it's quite a challenge. But I have to say, it's very, very liberating. And I felt really blessed by that. So God knows what we need. He knows what we need. And it almost, in a sense, it adjusted my focus. Because I was thanking God for what he'd done in my life, what he was doing in my life. And when I'd finished praying, I didn't feel any sort of lack. I didn't feel any sort of, well, I didn't get that off my chest, you know, and told God all about that. I just felt really empowered. And the second thing is, is that when we pray for one another, when we pray for one another, it gives us a love and a, a sense of real compassion for one another in the body. Yeah. And oftentimes I will get the list of everybody in this church and I'll just pray for everybody in the church. And I won't just say, Lord, you know, pray for everybody in the church. I actually go down the list, alphabetically, I have to say. But I do pray for everybody in the church. And I know that that gives me a love for the body. So I want to encourage you to pray, to thank God for what he's done in your life and to pray for one another and know that he will answer all your prayers. The third thing is fellowship. And we need to be those who spend time with one another. We need to be those that share our time, our food and our possessions. And we need to make sure that meeting outside of the meeting is a priority for us. That life group is a priority. Because iron sharpens iron. In Proverbs 27, 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. It encourages, it strengthens, and it builds up. Because then we are, we're together, we're sharing testimony. All these things are going on in our lives. And all this happens before we arrive on Sunday. We've, we're preparing. We're making sure that, the, that our lives are prepared. So, when we arrive on Sunday, before 10.30, so I drop that in. You see, arriving on time is actually a posture. It's a position of faith. In Psalm 23, it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. God has prepared a table for us, and we need to be prepared when we come to the table. Now, not many people here know my mother. She's with the Lord now. But she knew, she knew how to prepare a good table. But there were certain rules about coming to Mother's table. The first thing was you had to be on time. Your hands were clean. And you were ready to engage in conversation. And you weren't in another room. There was no... I, until, I, I, until I got married, I didn't know what it was to have tea on a tray <laughs> but my wife has developed that revelation in my life 
<laughs> Not all the time, though, babes. Everyone was in the same room. And you had to consume everything that was placed before you because it was good for you. So it's important that we come on time because when we come on time, we're saying, God, I'm here to worship you. I'm here to worship you. I, I, I hate this analogy, but I'm going to use it. If you was late for work, there would be consequences. But we're talking about Almighty God. And in honour of him, we shouldn't be late. We're ready to praise God. Our hands are clean. We've made sure that we've lived good and holy lives. We're prepared. We're ready to receive and to give to the body. We're ready to engage in conversation. We're not quiet. The church is not about silence. We are all in the same room together. And by that I mean that we're together. We're not spread about. It's, it's very good for the preacher. It's good for worship if we... There's nothing, there's nothing wrong in sitting near the front. Come to the front. And we consume everything that's placed before us because it's good for us. I used to be in a church many years ago where the, the, the elder used to say to us, we had a great time of worship, but we didn't get lift off. That's what he used to say. And he used to describe, he used to describe worship as like a, a big 747. And he used to say, it was a great meeting, but we didn't get lift off. Well, I don't believe that we need lift off. We need to start running. We need to come in the door running. It's not a case of getting lift off. And because of that, I just think that God is not about... For me, to say that worship is about lift-off, it, it sounds like something that, you know, it's like a, an act. It isn't like that. We come in the door ready and prepared and full of God's goodness to worship him. So let's talk about contributions on a Sunday. I love contributions on a Sunday. Let me just say that contributions are vitally important. And they are not judged by your age, by your experience, by your eloquence, or your Bible knowledge. They are only judged by a heart of faith. And Woody, um, the other week, he was talking about, you, you said that all contributions are all honey. Remember saying that? And as soon as you said that, I wrote it down, because I thought it was a great expression. All contributions are honey. Contributions given in faith will achieve great things. And some of the simple things that we share will set people free. I want to give you three examples of some great things that I heard. One time I was struggling in my life with something and I was seeking God for a word. And a young girl who was probably only seven or eight went to the front and she said, "Oh, I've got a word from the Lord to bring. And the preacher looked at her very sort of dubiously and he said, well, what is the word? And she just said, silver spoons, silver spoons. And God set me free in an instant. Now, anybody else listening to that would have thought, well, it's just a little girl saying silver spoons. But it was the word of God into my life. And so we must never, ever doubt or question what people bring because God can do something through the, through the youngest person. 
I went to a meeting once where a young man went to the front who was very enthusiastic. He was about 16 years old and he was desperate to prophesy, absolutely desperate to be a prophet. And he ran to the front and he said, I've got a word to bring. And he said, thus saith the Lord, you are all nuts. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, everybody burst into laughter. He went very red. But what he was trying to say was, was that unfortunately there was a great leader there who knew what he was trying to say and basically he was trying to get over the fact that um, people's hearts were hard and that their hearts were like the kernel on a walnut. But (laughs) he was out there and he shared and the leader sort of rescued him and people were set free. But I think the the greatest thing I ever heard, and I was actually at this meeting, it was at a Bible week many years ago, was a, a man of God gave a great word of faith. And at the end of his word, he said to everybody, he said, does anybody have a word from God here? I just feel God's got a word. Yeah, a bit like Benj. feel God's got a word. And this, this young man came to the front and he said, what, what's your word? And he said, switches. And everybody looked at, them, looked at him like you're looking at me. Switches. And uh, the, the guy was a little, he was a bit, he was a bit thrown. <laughs> so he says, does that mean anything to anybody? And this man came from the front, came right from the back. And um, he said, yeah, that means something to me. So he said, what does it mean to you, sir? And he said, well, I'm an electrician. And he said, last week I fitted 280 of them. <laughs> so... The preacher didn't look any more comforted. (laughs) But what he did notice was as the man came forward to say about the switches, he was walking with a limp. And the preacher said to him, he said, you've got a limp? And he said, yeah, he said, "Um, I have because there's all these bones missing in my foot and everything, this, that and the other. And the preacher said, can I pray for you? And he said, yes. And he prayed for him. And the guy went down under the power And he got up, and he was completely healed. And at that meeting, there was about 15 people got saved. There was a miracle. But it was all because somebody said, switches. And that's why contributions are so important, because God can work with the contributions. And so it's very important on a Sunday, when you, that we get, we come out early with our contributions. Because sometimes God will build on those contributions. There'll be a little bit here, there'll be a little bit there, there'll be a little bit here. And with respect, if we come out at 5 to 11, because we've, you know, we've had collie wobbles all through the meeting, I've got to share this, I've got to share this. But if we come out and share it, it gives God time and opportunity to develop that. Because there are sometimes a collection of contributions that come forward. So... You know, we want, to be in a, we want to be in a place where people say, let me share, let me share, I've got something to share. <laughs> it's also interesting that sometimes our contributions can be about things that we would consider to be very mundane in our lives. There's miracle here. Miracle shared today about something that was so normal. But she shared something that God had done in our life. And you don't know, but that could set somebody else free. We can't judge contributions based on 
the fact that, you know, the way Phil or I would bring them or Julian or... You know what I mean? That, that's so wrong. Because when we speak and we share something from our heart, the Spirit of God is upon it. And it doesn't matter how eloquently we bring it, how young we are, how old we are. None of us is discounted because God is with us. I want to just finish by talking about the mic. (laughs) The mic, the control. The reason we... So, the reason some of we, every Sunday we'll say, if you've got something to share, come talk to me and Phil about it. Now that's not because we are controlling, okay? That's because there needs to be order in the house. And so when somebody comes to us, we need we need to think about timing. Uh, we need to think whether it's relevant for the move of God at that time. And sometimes contributions have to come in a sequence. So we could say. Um, would people come to contribute and you get three people there and we listen to what they say and we just feel in God that that one needs to be first, that one needs to be second, that one needs to be third. That might not be the way they came to us, but that's what we feel. We sometimes don't think that it's right at the time. For instance, is Darius here? Darius came to me a few weeks ago and he said, I've got a scripture that I want to bring. And it was from 1 Peter 5, 7, which says, Cast all your cares upon the Lord, for he careth for you. And he came, he said, I'd like to share that. Now, at the time, I didn't think that was relevant. But I, I've spoken to Darius, and I know that at some point in the very near future, I'm going to say, Darius, please come and share that word with us. Because he's prepared and he's ready. But at the time, it wasn't relevant. But there will be a time. And so don't be offended if we say to you, we just don't think that's right at the moment. Because there's got to be order in the house. But it, will be, it is logged. So stand in the middle of the room. Don't feel that you've got to do something that's, you know, thus saith the Lord. Just be yourself. Just share where you are. Because when the Spirit of God is mixed with it, it will achieve great things. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.